here in New York, we certainly have a, a challenge in that um, right now we're going through a, a transition in, in assessing whether or not staying within our building in Greenwich Village um, is the right choice for us. It seems like there's a much better chance that I'll, I'll make better decisions when I have faith than when I don't. The path to where you're going is only straight in hindsight. How much do I believe in this, right? Is this just a little thing or am I am I really serious about this in, in a good way? This is, this is my core belief. This is the way I see the world. I think for me, it started with the yantra. All right. Hello and welcome to the Integral Yoga Podcast. Today, I am joined by Hamsa Cho. A little bit about Hamsa. She currently serves as the Executive Director for Integral Yoga Institute New York. She has 20 years of business and consulting experience. Bringing yoga to all adds excitement to her life. So Hamsa, thanks so much for, for taking the time to be here today. Yeah, thank you, Avi, for having me. I I, uh, I appreciate the invitation, and I'm I always love any any opportunity to talk about yoga. So I appreciate this. Absolutely. Um, so I'll start with kind of like a, a bigger yoga life question that I like to ask, and it's just what matters to you. Hmm. What matters to me. Ah. Family and love is is really what matters to me, and I think if that is the root of everything that we do, it it um, that love and joy will kind of pervade everything. Um, thinking of everyone as family, I think is is really important, and and loving everyone as that family, I think, is really important. And I guess to me, that is going back to your yoga question that is yoga is is love of of family of realizing that we are just one and um and and thinking about love is is ahimsa uh and um yeah yeah nonviolence, ahimsa yeah um so did that idea of us kind of all being one and connected with each other, did that come easily to you? Um, or was there any resistance towards kind of stepping into that uh, awareness? Wow, what a great question. Oh, wow. I think for me, it started with the yantra and the concept of truth is one, paths are many. And for me, when I found Interpol Yoga and um, learned about that concept, it, it, it really, it didn't necessarily shift my mind because it was something having grown up in a Christian um, family and going to church every, every week, um, you know, I already had a sense of something greater than myself within my life, but the the truth is one steps are many really helped me to see it in a different way. And, and I think that became the framework of recognizing um, that it all is one. So if you think of all of the religions as 
the same truth, um, I think we, we, it's easier to make that jump to, as people, we have these differences, but we really are just one. I don't know if that makes sense at all. I think it does. It might be a little similar to me. So uh, it's almost like I hear you saying that seeing the yantra with all the religions kind of united together in, in their core truth, um, that was maybe easier to digest or something that maybe you already intuitively felt a little bit or when, when you saw that you're like, okay, yes, that makes sense. Um, and then from that uh, kind of a larger understanding of our unity uh, expanded from there. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for, for synthesizing, for synthesizing that. Yeah. You know, and this goes back to your question and how it was so great. It's, it's these things that I feel internally, but I don't know if I've necessarily thought through um, kind of that journey. So I, I really appreciate that question. Yeah, you know, it, it feels a little tricky for me, like moving forward with this awareness of, of, of our connection, right? It's like, how am I as this one being relating to, to the world? Um, it, yeah, because it's just such a different outlook. I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I grew up a lot with kind of the, the mindset of, uh, you know, life is maybe hard and I need to survive and I need to scrap and claw to find my place of, of survival a little bit. It was definitely not one of, of kind of collaboration and teamwork and we'll all support each other and uh, <laughs> that sort of thing. So I'm um, just curious if you have any kind of reflections of how you kind of navigate this dichotomy between the two worlds. Yeah. I think that's, that's the practice. <laughs> mm. I think that's the practice is um, we naturally see ourselves as separate and our minds get caught up in that. And um, and and we see we frame things as difficult. Um, so I, I think that's completely natural. And I think part of for me, my practice is is shifting my view on it. And I uh, this brings me back to a, a you know one of the yoga concepts of recognizing that we view everything through the lens of our experience and that there is a completely different way to look at the same thing that we're experiencing. So um, for me, talking about challenge and, and, and suffering, um, one of the ways that I use to help me reframe is how is this helping me to be a, a better person or a stronger person or what are the lessons here that are going to propel me to whatever that next level is and so it it it, it changes the way I uh, it changes the way I experience it and and so and I guess for me, anytime I feel any discomfort, 
I always bring my yoga lens to it and I say, okay, what, what can yoga teach me here? Uh, how, how am I seeing the separateness of people? How am I seeing something that's a difficulty, um, perhaps in a way that's making it more difficult for myself? Um, and, and I think being open to that change is, is um, the challenge, <laughs> if mm. you will. Yeah, made me think about uh, compartmentalization, right? And directly in relationship with yoga. Um, I don't know about, about you, but my entry into yoga was, was definitely, okay, more of this physical practice, you know? Um, and now I've come to see that yoga or define yoga is how I do everything, or it's just a way, a way of living, right? So it's really, really expanded, uh, a lot because I kind I saw at some point that, I could just compartmentalize my yoga practice and spirituality. And it could just be like this little section that lived inside of me in my life. And there was still this, all this other stuff that was maybe more, more real, right? That was only something I was doing like some of the time. Right. Um, and at some point I had to ask like, you know, how much do I believe in this? Right. Is this just a little thing or am I, am I really serious about this in, in a good way? This is, this is my core belief. This is the way I see the world. Has anything like that kind of similar happened to you where your definition of, of what yoga is maybe has, has changed over the course of time? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I'd say right now, just as you're describing it, yoga is, the core tenant of my life and and how I try to view everything and you know sometimes I succeed at it and sometimes I fail at it and that's just also part of the journey and kind of forgiving myself for my missteps as well as as you go along um you know I started out in a similar way in that yoga was the physical and it was the asana practice. And, you know, for me, how I, how I transitioned into something more is when I realized that that sense of peace, that shavasana, that clarity that I had um, after a yoga nidra or a deep relaxation or just the end of a, a class, was something that I wanted to hold on to and have in every moment of my life. And I think for many, it's, it's that experience that ignites the desire. It ignites the interest. It ignites the curiosity. And, and then I think we, we come to a, a fork in our path of, do we want to continue that curiosity or are, are we, uh, are we okay experiencing it on a, a discrete level, on an acute level when we take a yoga class? So I think for many, the, the physical practice is going to be, uh, is going to be 
100% complete for them. And then there's going to be a set of people where uh, the physical practice is an aspect, but they're looking at um, a, a different practice that, that completes them. You know, I think one of the, the challenges as I'm talking to you is I don't want to disparage anyone that has an asana practice and yoga for them is asana, right? That too is complete. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. But going back to, to what you said about kind of like glimpsing a new way of being, maybe just like a new feeling uh that's that's really powerful like i think that that happens for us in life like we'll we'll feel something different maybe maybe it's better it's, it's a more relaxed feeling than i've ever had before um and then what do i do with that <laughs> and and what i'm hearing you say is like you made the choice and i don't know if it was once or you had to kind of experience it many times to like say like okay, like I want to hold on to this feeling or I want it to pervade more aspects of, of my life. I think it's also kind of common to, in a way, turn our backs on those higher levels of, of experience because that, that change is, is scary, right? Like mm. to, to change the way that I'm being, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm comfortable the way that I've been for a very long time. I'm going to continue doing that. Um, that was nice but that's in the past. Yeah, you know, there, there needs to be that curiosity, but then there also needs to be something either internal or external that kind of pushes you too to get there. And a lot of times it might be a, a suffering that we experience or an action um, that occurs that, you know, falls into our lap, there's oftentimes something external that helps helps get us there. But I think that inner curiosity, um, that that seed of of interest um, needs to be there to then get you moving down that road. Yeah, that's a good way way to put it. And I think there's a right or a wrong way you know, whether or not to follow that seed of, of curiosity, it's totally an internal decision. It has to be an internal decision. Mm -hmm. It can't be forced on you from, from anyone else. Hmm. I want to ask you what your experience um, in New York has been, uh, just being the executive director there and more, moving more into this leadership role. What has that been like for you? And, and, and maybe a little bit of, of background too, like New York, the Institute in New York is, I mean, what do you know off the top of your head what year it was founded? It was founded in 1966. 66. So it's been there for a while. It's like one of the foundational pillars of mm -hmm. integral yoga. A lot of people's first introduction to yoga has come at the New York Institute. Um, so that's, that's quite the position to be in. So what, what's it been like for you? Yeah. Uh, well, so in October, we will be celebrating 55 years of integral yoga and, um, and, and our existence here in New York. And so 
I find it a, an incredible honor and privilege to be um, in the position that I am, um, especially over the last year, which has been so difficult for everyone and um, the online offerings, which we didn't have any online offerings prior to COVID. So that, um, that transition of not being in person, um, it, it's, been, it's been extraordinarily challenging. Uh, yet at the same time, a gift, right? It's uh, the ability to reach people all over the world and, and share the integral yoga teachings has been um, a huge opportunity. Um, I'd say what's really incredible about this role is seeing the strength of our community, the strength of our staff here and our resiliency, um, getting through all of this together. I think that's been the most incredible part for me. Um, and, you know, we, here in New York, we certainly have a, a challenge in that um, right now we're going through a, a transition in, in assessing whether or not Staying within our building in Greenwich Village um, is the right choice for us or whether we should move into um, another space to either downsize or think about a, a different type of offering. And so, um, you know, being part of that transition is, is difficult. And, um, you know, also, you know, again, provides an opportunity to think about how we best serve it here in New York for the future. So I don't know if that really answers your question. I kind of went a little bit around. It's so interesting with a, a physical space and our allegiance to it, right? Like, that's what I sense even a little bit there. It's like, you get comfortable with the way the stairwell is and the entrance and like, all this like aesthetics, you know, matter to us. And the thought of, of changing that it can be startling, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, then there, there's, there is also the emotional connection that people have um, with the building. And, and it's absolutely valid. And we, you know, we've, we, last year we just celebrated 50 years in the building that we've been in and all of the, the energy and uh, joy and uh, memories that people have over those 50 years is extraordinary. There's so much power there. In addition, this is also some place that Swami Sachidananda lived and holds all his energy and everyone's memories of that too. So um, there, there's certainly something extraordinarily special about um, the physical space that we're in. Um, and, and yet, just as you say, it's a, it's a physical space. It's... Um, the teachings are more than the, the physical, right? You know, going back to also, now the teachings are more than the physical. If 
if we decide that, if, if we decide to see it as that, or the physical is just as complete. Yeah. <laughs> It feels good when like both ways are, are totally acceptable. <laughs> it's very refreshing, <laughs> but that's, I think the power of faith in, in a way that I, that I've realized. Swami Satchidananda talks about faith, you know, so much. And it's one of the things that I really love that resonates with me because it's like a superpower. And I think he understood that like, you know, to, to really have faith, uh, that that things that the way that they're unfolding somehow is is totally perfect it's a really hard thing to to grasp <laughs> that you know i and, and i like what you said earlier about you know sometimes you know sometimes i can do it and sometimes i can't but but to have this faith as i'm navigating my life to me it creates this this lightness which um i would say it, it it seems like there's a much better chance that I'll, I'll make better decisions when I have faith than when I don't like that kind of anxious, rigid feeling of like, I got to yeah. choose, which is the right one. That's not as good of a, that's not going to lead to as much successful decision-making as like, well, both choices are valid. It's going to work out no matter which choice I make. Okay. I'll move from that spot. One of um, one of my kind of life sayings, um, I, I think I had had this before finding interval yoga. So it's um, the path to where you're going is only straight in hindsight. Mm. And so for me, that gives me the forgiveness of of making a seemingly um, or a seeming mistake. Um, and, and I see it executed in my life all the time um, where, you know, while you're in the moment, you kind of beat yourself up and um, well, you beat yourself up before making the decision, then you make the decision and then you beat yourself up after the decision and then, you know, a few years down the road, you look back and you're like, oh, that needed to happen to get to where I was. And so that, for me, has given me a lot of ease in, um, in decision making. That being said, decisions are absolutely important and a sufficient time and analysis and assessment is needed. Um, and I think that, I think in general, there's probably a decision that is more favorable than another. Um, but again, both are equally valid. And, and that's not to say that the one that's less favorable doesn't get you to the path that you want to get down. Yeah, ultimately, it's like one step back to take two steps forward type of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I guess it also, you know, what comes to mind now as we talk about this, and I haven't thought about this for a while, so um, I'm trying to remember the 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 um the quote it, it's it's something about when you're making a decision or when you have having a thought 
will this matter a month from now? Will this matter a year from now? Will this matter five years from now? Will this matter 10 years from now? And I think remembering that also helps with with that decision making. Yeah, what you what you said made me consider that you know reflection of our past can actually be really useful. It's like mm. if I if I think back to all the things that have happened in my life, like it would have been impossible to predict <laughs> the course of events, and I think that that's the case for for everyone, right? Uh, so by doing that, maybe that changes my perspective in terms of of the future and and loosens my my grip on on the the right the right path uh to take um yeah and and just this it's kind of letting go but it uh, you brought up something else that that feels important too like it it is um you know right decision making like some decisions do feel important right like analysis and consideration and um maybe just not completely throwing caution to the wind, um, there's something to that as well. So perhaps it's a it's the meeting place of of those two things. Yeah. Well, and I guess I I don't mean to discount the importance of decision making. Right. It's completely important, and um, making sure that you have all of the right pieces of information to make good decisions is is really important so um and then and but then then you're on that path and then let's just continue on that path right we don't the i think second guessing can be really harmful um because you didn't know what you didn't know then Mm. And I think, you know, we're all imperfect. We're all imperfectly perfect. So we're just on, on in this game. We're in this uh, play um, and, and all going through it as peacefully and uh, peacefully as possible. <laughs> Makes me think of another question I had for you, actually. It's, uh, you know, are you having fun? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I am having fun. Um, I can be somewhat a little bit on the headier side. So, you know, for me, I need to definitely create space for the fun. Some people are more in that fun space and need to create mm-hmm. space for the more serious. So, um, and, and that's just my personality type, um, but definitely still trying to have fun um you know thinking about new york there's i'm I'm looking out my window here there's so many opportunities to have fun and experience new things and um you know outside events that that we now have and they're all really just a subway right away and so uh, i feel really grateful for that Mm. yeah it's like allowing yourself to have fun seem like a muscle that needs to be exercised in a way. Like, do you notice that in in yourself? Like a little bit like, Oh, I was able to have fun there. Like what allowed me to do that? And can I replicate that, 
that mindset? I think part of it for me is, I think there's different level, maybe there's different levels of fun for me and my personality. Like I find, I, I try to find the levity in, in everything. Um, and so that, that in and of itself is fun. Um, and then there's these like external events that are also fun. So those would be like going to a museum or going and listening to live music, uh, you know, going to the park, having a picnic or just going to the park and people watching. Those are also fun. So I, I, I guess from that perspective, I, I think. Um, in the more common, uh, common language of what's fun, like I those types of fun, I need to make time for, uh, but I still have fun throughout my day because I try, I really do try to have, bring some type of levity into, um, into the work. And, and again, sometimes I'm good at it and sometimes I'm not good at it. And this is where for me, um, the yoga practice helps me to not beat myself up over it and to continue mm. to try to work to improve myself. Mm. It's like what, what I've heard from you a few times is this like yoga perhaps has allowed you, as you put it, to like not beat yourself up about it or um, accept um, your humanity, mm. you know, in a way, which, which feels like pretty essential. Like, like, right, to not be holding on so tightly to, like, how how good am I, right? Like, getting getting beyond that that question in a way. Like, am I hearing you correctly? Yeah, and and I think part of it is just my 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 background, and I think everyone's going to have a different root root place. But for me, there was absolutely a ton of self criticism. In, in my personal life growing up. And so I think that's where, that's how yoga works for me is um, ha- having that ahimsa towards myself of not beating myself up. Um, but it also gives me the space to recognize I'm, I'm always learning and, and that I can always um, get better while still recognizing that I'm doing my best right now. Mm. I think, and I guess one of the things that I feel challenged with sometimes is, and I think it's part of the teaching of you are just you as you are, you are perfect. Mm. And I think sometimes people take that as, well, I don't need to change. And if someone is offended by what I'm saying, well, that's your work. And you need to not be offended by what I'm saying because I am perfect. I, I see it a little bit differently in that I am, I am perfect in this m- moment. However, there's a lot, there continues to be opportunity for growth. Uh, development, self-reflection, uh, and greater o- o- awareness of 
of the great, whatever the greater is, right? For, for some, it's that self-realization or more money or, you know, more something. Um, but, you know, seeing that I'm on this path for more. Mm-hmm. It actually feels to me to be a very important mm-hmm. distinction that you're, you're making right now. this idea of, of kind of a wholeness to the self or a perfection to the self, right? Not, uh, not in a way of being an excuse not to grow. That's what I'm hearing is an important thing. So it's like, I am whole, I am complete. I have a right to exist even with my flaws, even with my missteps. At the same time, I, I want to have less flaws. I want to have less missteps. I want to cause less harm. And, uh, and let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of, that is exactly how I kind of live my life. And um, getting there was really difficult for me. Um, and that goes back to the self-criticism. And um, Yeah, just not not beating yourself up over every little thing that you do. And you're like, oh, I could have done that better. Well, now the language that I have because of yoga is I did the best that I could with the tools that I had, with the knowledge that I had. And now I know more so I can hopefully do something, do it differently in the future. Um, Sometimes you can and sometimes you haven't learned learned yet. And so you just kind of have to go through that process. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to kind of your leadership role and also combining it with with the fun, funness that we were talking about. Uh, do you feel that like does leadership come easily to you? Because one thing I, I become more aware of is kind of a harsh criticism that we tend to have for our leaders. Like it is, it is difficult to, to be a leader. I don't know if we acknowledge it that, that much. Um, so I'm just like wondering what that experience is, is like for you. Um, are, you know, is it, is it comfortable? Is it natural for you? Are you able to have some fun being a leader? Yeah. I I think part of being a leader is being able to see a larger picture um, and to get everyone moving towards that larger picture. And so from that sense, I feel comfortable in that role because it's a role that I have seen um, throughout my entire life. And, and been in, in my entire life. Um, at the same time, not, not every personality is, is made that same way. Um, so, you know, I, I think, am I, am I having fun doing it? 
Yes, and and it's certainly a challenge too. In going back to we're in this uh, unique position here in New York, there's a lot of change, and with change comes a lot of anxiety. It comes a lot of um, fear. Comes a, a a lot of these really challenging emotions, and uh, you know, I was just having a conversation just prior to getting on this call. And, and and this this topic actually came up a little bit in a different way. Um, instead of using the term fun, the term that was used was joy. And and so yeah, I think I think that is something that we need, and you know I can work on is bringing more of that joy. And um, I, I think it's it's it, is a little bit of a challenge though in that we're in this position of change to bring joy to, to change. It's, it's certainly a, 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 a challenge. It is. Yeah. It, it's a challenge that excites me a little bit. <laughs> I have, I have to say like, it's, it's this great, great question, right? Like if I'm going to do it anyway, can I have, have some joy? And fun. Like that's the first question, right? Like, am I going to do this? Like maybe not, maybe I'm not going to do it, but if I'm going to do it, you know, can it, can it be enjoyable? Um, yeah. Yeah. How do you make a game of it? Yeah. That, that's a mm. really, really great point. And, um, I think that's the trick. How do you, is, 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 to get yourself in that type of position and mindset and to make it something fun. So yeah, I really, I really appreciate you sharing that. Perhaps it's needed for others to see that I too experience challenge and I'm not some jerk. Uh, mm. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's more, this goes back to the sense of the path to where you're going is only straight in hindsight, right? So I can only do the best that I can right now with my flaws. And, and so I just, I observe them. I, I don't, and I don't know if it's necessarily a flaw, but just observe the use of the term challenge. How many times I probably said it five or six, seven, eight times. And to observe that, to note it and I don't know what to do with it yet, but it's, it's there in my consciousness. Well, and, noticing and, is, uh, noticing is the first step, I think. Yeah. And, best. and yeah. It's, it's here to serve in some way. I don't know how yet, but yeah, I don't know. It just makes me go through life so much more usefully. What does? Just the, the recognition of, of an experience occurring and that it's there for us for some reason. Mm. Yeah. Well, I also love what you just shared kind of about expressing your humanity. I don't know if that's something that you've kind of consciously gotten better at or not, but it's, uh, it's more and more of my interest because I'm seeing the, the power in being vulnerable. Um, I, I really think it is a service to other people and to ourselves by being truthful about our own challenges and weaknesses and that we're just trying to simply do our best. But it's such a, a, a new way to go about life. Like, 
I don't know about you, but like, you know, the majority of, of my life is spent, you know, trying to be strong and to not show weakness and, and, and all of that. So it's like, it's just totally turning everything upside down. I was just talking about this with someone, how I feel like the, the whether it's the newer generation, I, I think, I think all, a lot of change occurs because the younger generation is pushing us towards something. Um, it's just kind of the cycle. And I, I, what I observe is that there is a change towards being more vulnerable. Um, you know, I think a lot of that work is promoted by Brené Brown and, you know, um, leading, uh, leading bravely and, and all of those concepts. Um, and it, it's recognizing that we're fallible um, and not beating ourselves over, up, beating ourselves up over it and creating an action plan to get better. But I, I think what I observe is that this is indirect conflict with prior generations that, you know, you can't show weakness and you have to show how strong you are and you must get your way. And, and there's a firmness and rigidity there that I see, especially the younger generation not having so much of. Um, and then you have the conflict that simply exists there of, well, you know, they never know what they want. And yeah, because it's fluid. So I, I wonder if we are going through kind of a major shift in, in behavior, um, what, what is seen as right behavior and wrong behavior. Um, and I say, yeah, right behavior and wrong behavior and um, and the conflict, anxiety, and discomfort that results because of that change. Can you say that one more time? The last, the conflict, anxiety. And discomfort. Yeah, it's like, it's change. It's a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Um, yeah, I, I like where you took it in, in terms of the, the generations uh, and the changes that are happening. I think you're right. Like I, was, I was listening to this other podcast earlier, and um, one of the things they were talking about was, was humanity moving from defining our lives around survival to meaning, mm -hmm. right? Like for yeah. so long, everything was just about survival. That was the only question, how to survive. But now that survival isn't really a question for many of us, what replaces survival? And, and then I think the answer is meaning, right? Yeah. Um, and, and which is a much trickier thing to figure out, like how to bring meaning into our lives. But maybe this is where yoga comes in. Yeah, yeah. Um, you bring up a topic that I've been thinking about for probably six months, which is... Um, are, are you familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs? 
Sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, this is exactly that, right? I think uh, the older generation, it certainly, you know, they're coming right out of, um, of the, or, you know, they're children of the depression era. And so it's, it's more about getting your basic needs attended to. And the adults that exist right now have not grown up in that same environment. I see the adults now in general, right? Like, and, and certainly this is coming from a privileged perspective, right? There, we have to recognize that too, the, that we come from an area of privilege where, um, you know, our, our parents likely didn't have either that same struggle or as we were growing up, we didn't necessarily have that same struggle as the older generation. So, um, you know, things like eating out, being able to buy things, those are, those are, and really they are luxuries, but we take them as always there. And so it allows us to move on into that next level of Maslow's hierarchy for moving towards self-actualization or, you know, it's, it's uh, there's uh, physical needs, right? Um, and then there's psychological needs. So now we're moving into that space of really getting our psychological needs met. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more with what, with what you're saying. Also, what I consider is going on is like this ping-ponging effect. That's kind of a part of, of human nature or all of nature, perhaps. So it's like on one side is like the survival, like I just need food and shelter. And that's how I've been existing for a long time. And because that's such like a deep-rooted desire, as it becomes available and I can be successful in those things, not only am I going to just be successful of those things, I'm going to go all the way to the other end and make that everything. So I'm ping-ponging from um, survival to like complete investment in the material world where my life becomes about like how, how comfortable sh my shelter can be and how much, much great food I can eat and how many toys I can have, right? And that's what I feel like where the realm that I've existed in for most of our, my life, maybe that realm of like so much emphasis in the material world and comforts. And, and now perhaps we're moving back somewhere in, into the middle where we realize that that is not, that is not what we're looking for either. No. Um, I, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, living in a, uh, um, um, area, uh, economically affluent areas um that's exactly what you see is this focus on the material and yet it's very much um the society where even though you have all of this material you have all of these people that are on xanax and on anti-anxiety medication and um all all of these kind of um, other 
psychological needs that aren't being met. And so, so yeah, you, I think you end up seeing, you, you only need a certain amount of physical security and then everything else really doesn't get you anymore. We think that it does. We strive for it. We beat our, we, you know, muscle ourselves into it. And then we get there and realize that's actually not what we were looking for. It's not giving us the fulfillment. And, and then we, we seek something else. Then, then that's the meaning. That's the service. I feel like that's, that's the, next, the next stage of, of karma yoga, essentially. Like, am I using my life as a force for, for good and to alleviate suffering if I can? And how does that feel? How does and that feel I, to me? And I think I think we see that in a, in a lot of the ways the younger generation utilizes their time and money. Right? We see we see many businesses that are um, saying, "Well, if you spend money with us, part of part of what we are as an organization donates money to this, or this percentage of." what you're doing goes to this or buy one and one gets donated, right? So we see, we see a lot more of the younger generation making their purchasing decisions based upon, based upon that, how much they can, how much their action serves the greater good. Well, Hamza, I really appreciate this time. Thanks so much for, for being here. It was, uh, it was definitely a lot of fun to connect with you and, and thanks so much for the service that you're doing. Um, yeah, I think it's, very meaningful work. Thanks, Avi. I appreciate the invitation. Always it's fabulous to chat with you. I mean, we've had so many other conversations and um, yeah, I'm always grateful for our time together. You've always brought um, a really deep way of looking at things that I, I, I value. Hmm. Thanks so much, Hamsa. Thank you. Om Shanti. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this content and think others might as well, please feel free to share and subscribe.